conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you a little about Avengers Assembled. This is a podcast hosted by my friends Mike Vlasnik and Ryan Larson, and they are diving into the history of the Avengers comics from the beginning. There are a few episodes out now, and you can join them on this crazy journey that they're taking, which is something I definitely understand doing. At one point, I was reading all of the Spider-Man comics from the start, and I think I got about 50 or 60 issues in, and then unfortunately had other things to do and fell off of it a little. But I love this idea, and I highly recommend checking it out. There's a link in the show notes. I hope you all enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Mirjani Rawls. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today Mirjani and I are talking all about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was many more hours than this podcast is going to be. Mirjani, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm sure everybody's heard me on the pod before. Hello, everyone. Like she just said, I don't think it's going to be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> that would that would be keeping you guys way too long where you could just kind of go watch the movie if you wanted to, you know, four hours to burn. But good to be here. Yeah. And, you know, I agreed to this and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? But I will start off by giving this movie a little bit of credit because let me tell you, this version way more cohesive of a story than the theatrical version. I rewatched the 2017 version and wrote about it a little bit. Um, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to totally destroy it, but you can tell where the studio interference, uh, the almost the Avengers ising of it happened. Yeah, There's a lot of jagged parts. There's a lot of like, missing character beats. I mean, granted with Zack Snyder's justice league, it is on HBO max. It is allowed the four hour time span with chapters to breathe a little bit. I don't think that you can really get that lead way and a theatrical release unless you split it up in two parts. Right. Yes. The characterization is way better here. Everybody kind of gets an arc as to, you know, the 2017 version, it's a little bit over here, you know, like uh, all of a sudden, like Superman is dead, but, you know, his death isn't, doesn't really hold as much weight as it does in this film. Cyborg is exceedingly shortchanged in the 2017 version. And Wonder Woman is kind of undermined too, which is which is funny because I go back to it's like, well, Joss Whedon kind of did that movie. So you look at him as doing things like Buffy, granted with the controversy, like he kind of you know what I mean? Like he he knows at least in that sense, he knows how to write a female character. He did not do that in uh the 2017 version. It almost seemed like he was like, Okay, well, you know, I wrote Black Widow. And, and Avengers. <laughs> so I'm just going to place her as Wonder Woman and nobody will notice. Before we got the 2017 Justice League, we had Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman. So your main three characters have been set up before this. I think the big difference, though, is that Batman... Batman versus Superman didn't really feel like solely a Batman movie. It felt like a pre-Justice League movie because you have Batman, Superman, and then Wonder Woman appearing later in that. And, you know, Marvel did these solo movies before doing the Avengers. And I think Marvel just did it in a way that gave you more time with specific characters and then the characters they did introduce in the Avengers didn't need a full backstory necessarily to be understood in the context of that story. Whereas here, it felt like we really needed this whole cyborg introduction before digging in with what was actually going on in Justice League. So I feel like it would have been better to have a separate cyborg movie ahead of time because of how tied in his character is to this particular story. You know, using the mother box to create Cyborg is a very big deal. 
But in the theatrical version, you're just like, yeah, okay. Well, we all have to understand that there was going to be a solo cyborg movie after, I think, either before. It's actually was supposed to come out last year. If you look at the old DC slate, yeah, uh, there was going to be a solo, solo movie. I just think it would have been better to set him up so that it, he didn't need to be set up in this movie. Because while I said this is a cohesive story, it's still way too long. I feel with that his story fits better here because of the mother boxes. When you introduce that into justice league, you give lead way to the emotional story between him and Silas, because with Zack Snyder's justice league, you see how he came about, you know, like there's this tragedy where, you know, he's a football star and, you know, you have that game with his mother Mm -hmm. and they have that conversation in the car where Silas is so involved with his work, he's not really around. So when that car accident happens and it kills his mom and almost kills Cyborg, that inhibits kind of like Silas to turn to the mother box and like restore him as like this man machine thing. I don't know with everything tied together to Steppenwolf, Darkseid, the sod, and how the mother boxes are and the lore and everything that it tells into this movie. I see what you're saying with the solo and the thing, but I think that it just, the way that everything flows together, it just fits in justice. League. You have to look. So with Marvel, you have the core four, right? You have Iron Man, you had uh, incredible Hulk, Thor and Captain America, right? Telling their stories. You can introduce a Nick Fury who you know, talks to Tony about the Avengers initiative. Then in Iron Man 2, you could have, you know, you had uh, Black Widow and then you had Roddy with War Machine and, you know, Thor kind of introduces things. Uh, Captain America, you know, Bucky Barnes, who's going to be Winter Soldier down the road. Here in Justice League, I just feel that Cyborg is such a major character in this. Like, even when he listens to the tape recorder and learns, tries to learn how to fly for the first time, it mirrors man of steel. It mirrors Superman's first flight. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, Zack Snyder said in the beginning that, you know, cyborg was the emotional beat of the film. And I've really felt that way. Yeah. And you know, maybe you don't do cyborg story before this one then, but there had to be something that they could have done before Justice League to set it up a little better so that Snyder's version didn't have to be four hours long to make sense. Okay, what the thing is here, and I think Deborah Snyder said this, is that this movie wouldn't exist without HBO Max. So that's why you have, you know, chapters and things where like people can pause maybe between chapters four and five, which I initially thought that I was going to do until like, I was just like, you know, I wanted to finish this because I was so kind of in tune to do it. I do think there is something to your point where like there were things that could have been cut down in particular, some exposition exposition that happens Uh uh, with like the past things because they do run on a little too much, but with DC and Marvel characters, and now I kind of look back now, I don't think it's really a one-size-fits-all with how you set these characters up, right? So, like, Mar- of course, right, there's, right. The Mar- there's the Marvel blueprint where they took 23 movies to set up this big, almost Fortnite ev- event where with Endgame and Infinity War, uh, where there's an, a culmination, and now that's where you have... Uh, things where the Disney Plus shows where you have WandaVision and now Falcon and Winter Soldier. DC, I mean, like you had your Wonder Woman uh, solo, you had your Man of Steel, Batman, there's so many incarnations, like I don't know if you would introduce it with another one, Um, but I feel as though they kind of, Zack Snyder kind of did it in reverse. So you introduced the Trinity, which you did. And then they have like the solo things and then you use it to do the jumping off point where, you know, you have your Aquaman, you have your flash, 
you have your cyborg and then you can introduce some, you know, other people like, you know, Blue Beetle and uh, like other heroes in that universe. So I think they kind of like did that in reverse. Yeah. And after watching this, I felt like this was really Snyder's vision for building out the DC universe as a whole, because we know now that they've kind of gone away from this darker tone and you have movies that are mostly visually brighter, like Wonder Woman 1984, regardless of how you feel about that movie, it's definitely a different tone than we see in any of these previous movies. And with this cut for Justice League, you get more of Ryan Choi, you get a Green Lantern appearance, you get Martian Manhunter, you get Iris West, and it really felt like Zack Snyder had this base starting point for DC to go in all of these different directions that unfortunately I don't think we're necessarily going to get. I know we're still supposed to get the Ezra Miller Flash movie and I thought his storyline added more to his character in this because we get that moment in the theatrical version where Bruce is waiting for him and he sees the Flash suit and everything, and he tries to play it off as the ice skating thing. And he just brings some levity to the movie that I think is definitely needed, considering how dark it is. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the Flash movie whenever we end up getting that, because as we know, everything's kind of still up in the air for the time being. But I really felt like Whedon kind of took out the future options for the theatrical version, because I don't remember Ryan Choi being in that at all. Obviously, we didn't get the Green Lantern moment, and I definitely don't remember Martian Manhunter. I definitely see what you're saying with The Flash, because in the 2017 version, he's just such a, like, he's a dork, and kind of like, you know, he's our point of view, where, like, if we had powers, like, we'd be geeking out, like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> Batman, like, that's the bat signal. They, they're calling you, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, but in the 2017 version, he's just clumsy. He doesn't, like, other than kind of like the fetch quest with the Russian family, which I'm so glad is not in this movie. He doesn't really prove usefulness. And the 2021 version you know what I mean? Like, you get him using the speed force and, like, him, you know, having, like, this hero arc where he gets wounded, but, like, he has to overcome it. Even that, uh, like, scene in the beginning where he meets Iris West, uh, which kind of is a future sprinkle of, like, what's to come, I guess, what what is going to happen in his solo film. Hopefully. His, yeah, his, his, his arc feels a little bit more fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, going back to your point, Ryan Choi is not in the 2017 version at all. Uh, neither is Martian Manhunter. All that is stripped out here. Ryan Choi, like you get, all right, he's being set up for something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he, his, he's useful to Silas for some reason. And he's working the in the what was it? The nanotech stuff. The nanotech so, you know, stuff. like they're setting up the Adam storyline. And even though in the comics, I believe he works more with Ray Palmer because of Ray Palmer's prominence in the shows and stuff. I think they took a different direction tying him to Silas versus introducing Ray Palmer too. And I think that works well in the context of this story that's being told. And I like it when movies do something a little different from the comics. And I could be you know, missing some comics knowledge here. And maybe Ryan Troy does work with Silas at some point in the comics. But from what I know, it's a lot of him and Ray Palmer working together since Ray Palmer's the original Adam. And, you know, even just the glimpse of one of the Green Lanterns being killed and the ring taking off, you're like, oh, that ring could eventually end up with Hal Jordan or something or John Stewart. And, you know, I know that took place well in the past, but you can follow the path of that ring, <laughs> you know, yeah. and get a Green Lantern story out of it that way. So it was just something where I immediately noticed a big difference between what the 2017 version accomplished and what Zack Snyder 
really wanted to accomplish. And I'm not going to say this was a masterpiece or anything, but it was an improvement over the the theatrical version, despite me still thinking it's way too long because there are a lot of things that could have been cut down. Merjani, there was so much slow motion in this. I swear if they would have cut out like half of the slow motion scenes, this would have been like 15 minutes shorter easily just by doing that. Well, that I mean, that's Zack Snyder's trademark cinematography. That was kind of uh, like I had a, a little like problems with it. Like does everything have to be slow motion, even though I mean, even though like the the Wonder Woman scene with the bank robbery is so much better in this in this uh, iteration. Mm-hmm. Another problem I had was with some of the music. I love, okay, so Junkie XLs or Tom Holabrook, I, I'm sorry, I hope I'm saying his last name right. There are some parts that I absolutely love. The flight, uh, the yeah, the flight Superman score is amazing. It is like, and I love that theme. But then there was like, every time Wonder Woman came on screen, it was like, I, I love that, but then it, before it's like this singing and I'm like, all right, this is kind of, this is a little annoying. Yeah. It, it could get, a, it could get a, it like it get annoying. Like I know she's on screen. If you wanted to do, if you wanted to keep the original score with uh, the drums that he adds to add a little punch to it. Cool. But like that got a little, eh. It kind of sounded like someone was just screaming at you that Wonder Woman was on screen after a while. Yeah, like that that did kind of get a little to me. I was like, okay, like I, I know, I know she's here. You know what I mean? Like she's a lot better used in this movie. She's actually important in this film. But like, yeah, and, and you have some of the choices here, but like overall, I enjoyed this movie. I, I really did. Like I, I went going in like, okay, I'm going to break this up into into blocks like I was going to watch it in consecutive days and then when I got lucky to like see it for like a press screening I ended up watching it all the way through I was just so enthralled about just how better the characters are just flushed out even Steppenwolf Steppenwolf his arc makes so much more sense when it, when mm-hmm. you bring Darkseid in. He's a little like, too shiny for my liking, but otherwise, yes. There there are some CGI moments where he's in the sunlight and it kind of like gives an artificial reflection off it, and it's like okay, like <laughs> that's a little grating. But at this, but his arc with trying to find the mother boxes in relation to trying to get back home next to dark side because he betrayed him makes so much more sense. Like it gives like, and he's, and with like the violence, he's much more terrifying. He's an actual threat in 2017. I never felt that way. I never felt that like these heroes would struggle against beating dark side. I will. Yeah. Beating the parademons and Steppenwolf and the fact that the mother boxes are just the precursor to what Darkseid wants to do with the anti-life equation. Right. And I will say this. I am really glad that Zack Snyder got to put out his vision for this movie because, you know, his family went through a terrible tragedy when they were filming this and Joss Whedon was picked to come in and we all know how the theatrical version went if you have in fact seen that. But I think this would have been much better to lay the groundwork for future characters because you get that with the Avengers. And I hate to keep comparing it to Marvel, but Justice League and the Avengers have been compared for decades, you know, because they're both the big superhero teams that save the world. And Justice League is so vast especially when you watch things like the Justice League animated show, which I think does a really great job of like taking this group and kind of rotating out the characters so you don't have to have the same characters in every single episode, for instance. So I like that this movie kind of set that up because you have Bruce and Diana going in with Alfred and they're like, okay, big round table here, six chairs, and Diana's like, but room for more. And that gives you this 
visual, even though you don't actually see the table, but it kind of reminded me of the animated show where they have this big, massive table, and sometimes everyone's there, sometimes not, and I think that would have been a great way for DC to build out their universe, but now it seems like they're kind of going in a less connected direction. I'll say this, and I'll briefly go down the line of characters, because I I, I do see what you're saying, and but I don't look at DC characters the same way I do Marvel characters. There's a lot more... You know, before Civil War and Winter Soldier, there was kind of a cartoony feel to Marvel. And this is not to say that there aren't mature things in these Marvel movies, because there are. But DC, I kind of look in more of a, not a darker tone, but like kind of more of an adult thing. So I'll, I'll like just briefly kind of go down here. So you have Batman who has to contend with what he's done in Batman versus Superman. He feels guilt and putting this team together kind of absolves him. Well, like mentally absolves him of that, of the ongoing threat with his guilt of, you know, feeling responsible that he killed Superman. So you have that arc there. Wonder Woman, there's banter between her and Steppenwolf, which I've really appreciated because it ties in the, the past of the Amazonians and, then coming together to stop the threat at, at first. I feel that Zack Snyder really elevated her to f- as her appearance in Batman vs. Superman to be the demigod that she is. If you look at the film, she's the one who's the aggressor. She's the one who kind of fights Steppenwolf and does the death blow to c- cut his head off. The Flash we touched... Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's our point of view, but he's also important because he has to use the time force to turn things back around. Cyborg has probably the most emotional arc in this story where he's trying to, he has resent for his father for what he's done, but he also has to contend with his purpose and almost lay a piece of him being, you know, his human self and his, and studying his new kind of like these abil- infinite abilities. Aquaman, of course, has like the banter with Mara, and he's still kind of trying to find his way. He, you know, there he's still kind of apprehensive of taking the crown of Atlantis and kind of, you know, despising his parents, but not. But as the movie goes on, he kind of is shows an emotional center like he expresses concern of cyborg losing his father um he also expresses concern of superman coming back he's like dude this is wrong you know what i mean like he's not going to come back the same and of course it goes to superman who almost feels like his presence is important from the start it you know you start with the yell that initially sets all the mother boxes off his presence in the world, everybody's still mourning him, including Lois, who has a way better center here. You get to see the full arc of her mourning to the point where, like, she doesn't even want to go back to work. Yeah. Uh, in, 2000, in 2017, you know, like, she's back at work and she has the conversation with Martha that doesn't have any weight. But when Superman comes back, it feels so much tri- more triumphant here even down to the black suit. If you notice, and I think Zack Snyder talked about this, him coming back in the black suit is personifies what everybody was wearing in Krypton. So you have like the blue, the classic blue and red suit Mm -hmm. that he wore as a man of steel, but that's more earth. Him coming back in the black suit is owning himself and his heritage of, of and lineage. And when he comes and you know, it's talked about throughout the movie that, you know, Steppenwolf and Darkseid and, like, the Parademons, they're afraid of him. You know what I mean? Like, so when he comes back, like, he, he, it feels heroic. Like, it completes this arc of him stepping into who he means to be. So I understand, like, looking at how Marvel set things up, that is the blueprint because they kind of went out first. But I feel as though, like, using an HBO Max, now 
with Zack Snyder actually completing his vision on his own, like him not taking a salary and him doing it his way, it leads to so many more possibilities that you can do on streaming where you can tell stories like this. Right. I'm just curious if DC is kind of just done with this particular kind of storyline. Like we said, there's the Flash movie coming, but I feel like it's almost a wasted opportunity for DC to not use characters like Ryan Choi or Martian Manhunter in future stuff after seeing what we saw in this. And that's not Snyder's fault at all, obviously, that, you know, that's higher up the (laughs) food chain than he is for DC making these decisions. But, you know, we saw what they could do with Aquaman, Shazam, and some of these other characters after Justice League originally came out. But my main thing with this is, you know, sure, you can make it four hours because it's streaming, but DC is definitely still going to want to release stuff like this in theaters, which then means something like this won't happen in theaters necessarily. So yes, there's definitely more opportunities with streaming, and it'll be interesting to see what DC does with that, given how this has been received. Because I know a lot of people who have watched it already, and you know, you and I are talking two days after it dropped. You said you got to see it earlier, so you didn't have to, you know rush through it as fast as some of us. But I think what my hope was with this is that it would explain more of the story, which it did. And then I was hoping we would kind of see something come out of this that was pointing DC in a new direction. But I'm not super hopeful that we're going to see that now, if that makes sense. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know because I know in his, in like interviews, Zack Snyder has said like, okay, like I'm done. Like it, it feels like, you know, DC, like DC has been reached out to me to work together further. He's working on like the zombie movie for Netflix. Um, so I don't know. I feel, <laughs> but things change. Things change in the movie business. And I don't think he necessarily needs to be the one to do all of these movies or oversee everything in the same way that Kevin Feige does for Marvel. Because like you said, DC is not wanting to do what Marvel did. And I don't think they have to have like this 20 plus movie continuity thing, but it would be nice to just be able to see these characters interact when the story calls for it and have it be a little connected, but not so connected that you need to see like every movie to understand the story. And it felt like that's what the Snyder Cut was trying to do. Like, hey, we're going to set up a few more characters in this, and then they can go like have their own adventures kind of thing. I mean, that that really is on the shoulders of DC and Warner Brothers now. Yeah. Um, the response to the movie has been probably a little more positive than they were considering. Like, you know, I don't think that they were really like, they, I, I didn't think that this is probably going to catch them off guard, especially if it drives subscribers to HBO Max. Yeah. And like, you never know. You never know. I mean, he has planned, like he's shown, like he has plans for another, for a five story arc. And there are storyboards that we haven't seen that he's done. It really depends if he can get people back on board. Like if Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck is presumably going to be in a Flash movie, but I don't know if Ben is going to come back for another standalone Batman. I I mean, he got him back for reshoots with the Joker interaction. So I don't know. Is Henry Cavill going to be back as Superman? That is in flux. And with the Ray Fisher thing with him, with his, you know, disputes with the 2017 movie are going to, are they going to bring him back as cyborg? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, there's so much in, even with the slate now, like they're shooting black Adam or they're going to do that next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're getting ready to do sting on, on flash. They've hinted at, you know, Walter Romano's hinted at doing a multiverse. So, and, and then Batman's ready to go for next year. 
I don't know. I, I think that if you looked at Marvel and you see what they're doing with their multiverse, presumably with uh, Spider-Man and, you know, everything that they're doing with WandaVision, anything's fair game now. Mm-hmm. Anything's fair game with streaming uh, and then they could leak over to theaters. What theaters kind of look like as we kind of crawl out of our caves going into like getting vaccinated and coming out of the pandemic. I don't know. Um, I think that our viewing habits have changed. So it just depends on what the studio wants to do with that. Yeah. And just looking at what they have coming up, you can see what was kind of pushed off of the plate for now because there was a Green Lantern Corps movie announced like what back in 2014 or something when they were going to do the solo cyborg movie yeah i think i think that's going to i I think that now is uh, in pre-production to be the hbo max show now yeah so they can even do stuff like that where green lantern doesn't necessarily need to be a movie and obviously it's been quite some time since we've seen anything green lantern related So I think given how many times we've seen Batman stuff, you know, maybe now is a good time. We're going to see we're going to see him two more times in the next year. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. I wanted to. Okay, so I know as you know, we've talked off podcast. I had to bring up the epilogue. Yep. You know, I had to bring up the epilogue because Jared Leto, the Joker, your (laughs) your apprehension with Jared Leto and his acting, I had to see what you felt about that. You know, I didn't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably does not surprise you, but here's the thing. You know, I I was texting some friends while I was watching this and I, I wasn't texting spoilers really or anything, but I was like, oh no, an epilogue. Stephen King has made me weary of these. (laughs) And it was one of those things where, did we need it? Not really. It makes sense if you're going to move forward with Affleck as Batman, I think, because it was kind of starting to get into his struggle, you know, because he wakes up and you're like, oh, okay. You know, that was kind of like all a dream, an alternate timeline thing, and we don't really get to dive into that more because we see Batman trying to put the team together for a good chunk of the beginning of the movie. Then he's kind of like all work as he usually is, which, you know, that's very in line with the character, but I would have loved to see a little more of his struggle with everything that was going on because we know that exists and that epilogue gives you a glimpse of it. And now it's like, okay, what are we going to see of him in The Flash? And look, I'm not going to say I didn't like this movie. I thought it was fine. I still cannot and will not bring myself to care about Jared Leto's Joker, though. I wrote my review that I did feel that the epilogue was a little tacked on, but it does kind of set up the nightmare scenario with Bruce because in Zack Snyder's story arc, of course, this happens because Darkseid comes, he kills Lois, Superman goes crazy, and he turns evil and goes at Darkseid's side. That's how, you know, the anti-life equation kind of gets kicked off. And then you have, like, the nightmare side, like, uh, Mara hints at the Aquaman. Well, it, it shows him killing, uh, having a uh, funeral for uh, Wonder Woman and him killing Aquaman. So... The interaction, okay, so I feel with Jared Leto's Joker and Suicide Squad, obviously, I don't know if, you know, release the air cut is going to going to trend <laughs> now because there's a whole other movie uh, apparently with uh, Suicide Squad. I feel like we didn't get enough Jared Leto's Joker to make a determination. So... Zack Snyder, like he, he obviously he said that he shot extra scenes because he wanted that interact because he said, if I don't do another movie, I at least want an interaction between Ben Affleck's Batman and Jared Leto's Joker. Even though you have a brief one in Suicide Squad, 
what I th- okay. So what I think is good about this interaction is because it shows the yin and yang between them. Um, you know, they have like this uneasy alliance because, you know, they have to, you know, they have to get Flash to the cosmic treadmill so he can go back and warn uh, present day Bruce. But they have this banter because Joker killed Robin. So the Joker's like, all right, great. Like, like, let's do a truce. But if you want to sever it, like we can talk about how I, how, you know, you shouldn't have sent a boy to do a man's job. And then like, you, you could tell Batman actually curses uh, in, in this instance. I I think that this iteration of Joker is way creepier and a little bit better than we got in Suicide Squad. And then again, like some people have said, I think this is the best interaction that they've ever seen. I think that we're living in, a, we're kind of living in a moment a little bit too much there because I'd still, Heath Ledger's Joker is uh, still number one for me. One B would be Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. And of course you can't forget about Jack Nicholson. I feel like everybody feels about Jack Nicholson's Joker. And in Batman, and he was great too, even though he was a little bit more comedic. So why I think it's better here, I would not say, and I like the interaction, it is definitely not the best interaction I've ever seen from a movie iteration. And here's the thing, in addition to Joker appearing at the end, before that we have Lex Luthor reappearing. And I think part of DC's problem is that they want to keep reusing the same villains over and over again, because you just mentioned we've had three different Jokers, and Batman has one of the best rogues galleries in comics. I really love the Flash's rogue gallery as well, but it's like we've seen the Joker three different times now, and well, more if you want to count like the old TV show and all this stuff. So it just feels like it's kind of been done to death already. And I would love to see DC do something different because I've watched some of the animated stuff that they do and they bring in Black Mask. They bring in, you know, well, they bring in Deathstroke at the end of this, to be fair. Yeah, he was going to be, uh, with Ben Affleck's standalone Batman movie, he was going to be the uh, the villain. Yeah, and I want something more like that, where it's not just Batman versus Joker all over again, because you have some really great villains that I know they've used in previous movies, but I don't think they use them like super, super well. So why not bring back Poison Ivy? or Two-Face, or the Scarecrow, you know, the Riddler even, and do something a little different with those characters, because there's so much source material for the comics that it doesn't just need to be Batman and Joker all the time. Well, they are going to do that with Rob Pattinson's Joker. Right. Batman, sorry. Like, they're doing a different iteration of the Riddler. He's more, it it looks like he's more of a terrorist uh, with, with Riddle. Um, I'm not really sure where they're going to go. It looks like uh, the Penguin is more of a mob boss. Uh, of course, you have Catwoman there, too. Um, I feel, okay, so, of course, you know, the Lex Luthor uh, end credit scene is also in the 2017 uh-huh. uh, iteration. I, to be honest, I didn't like it here. I, di- I didn't like it in the 2021 version. Because you have your building, I know you have to get to the Injustice Nightmare storyline, but it felt like because I know I'm like okay, I know Lex Luthor is still out there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's going to present trouble for the Justice League, and I'm not really sure if it's going to happen in Justice League two or three. You know what I'm saying? Because we've already seen Darkseid seeing them kill Steppenwolf, so that's coming. I just felt like, you know, him hinting at, like, I guess the Injustice League. I I was like, "Uh, I don't know if that really works here. I don't know if I'm looking forward to that more so than I'm looking to Darkseid come to Earth. Yeah. Are they still doing 
Justice League Dark? It's in... See, here's the thing. Uh, like, as we talked about with DC... We know nothing. They put 18 things in production or pre-production, but only two or three actually go in production. So there are plans to do uh, Justice League Dark. I know that there was, like, hints at, like, maybe J.J. Abrams kind of putting his arms around that, which would be great. Uh, and maybe introducing, reintroducing, you know, Swamp Thing and Constantine mm-hmm. would be great. Yeah. But I don't, but like your guess is as good as mine. I don't like DC's plans seem like it just changes with the weather. <laughs> and I think that's part of the problem a lot of people have with the DC movies too. They kind of jump around so much that we don't really know what the future of DC movies is going to look like. Whereas, you know, with Marvel, you have your plan laid out well in advance. So we know what to expect from them. But DC is in that we aren't really sure face, it seems like again. It's like it's a Pandora's box. Hey, like, or like, you know, a magician's trick where they're just pulling rabbits out of hats and being like, yeah. okay, here we go. <laughs> or like you doing a whole bunch of notes and like putting them in the hat and like blindingly picking things out of hats. It's like, oh, uh, you know, a Flash movie or hey, look, it's the Blue Beetle and things like that. And I feel like we've Marvel kind of gotten out in front of it. We're saying, like, listen. Here's phase four. This is what's coming out when and where. You know what I mean? Like you're going to, okay, you have WandaVision. Then you have Falcon and Winter Soldier. And here comes Loki. And just trust us because this is going to all tie in to our master plan. DC is like, we're going to do another Superman movie, but it's not going to be Cal L. All right. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, but in our Flash movie, we're going to introduce another Supergirl. All right, cool. Great. (laughs) Although I don't think that, like you said, there needs to be an interconnectedness like they do with Marvel. They do need a trusted, like a trusted overseer or a couple of overseers to kind of like, all right. What's in production here? (laughs) Like, what are we trying to get out on HBO Max? And, and and what we're trying to do in theaters, because even with HBO Max, like there are plans to do another Gotham show, which is like uh, uh, supposed to happen a year before the Batman happens. But, but even that has just changed showrunners. So it's like, what do you? All right, guys, like, what are we doing? Like, we're, we're like, and I think that with the success of the Snyder cut that can throw things even more in flux now. So like, yeah. I think that Walter Hamada needs to sit down and like, all right, like, what are we doing? The DC movies need to find their Greg Berlanti. Yes. He oversees all of the shows and, you know, comic books love to have events. And what I think the shows manage to accomplish is that they exist separately and cross over when they need to, when there's something big happening that, one set of heroes can't handle on their own. And that's kind of what I want out of the movies. I don't need this big connected thing leading up to something like DC's equivalent of Infinity War and Endgame. I just want something that's more consistent, like the shows, with their vision. Yeah, because like even the shows have like these grand events mm-hmm. uh, that, that happen where they cross over, but they all kind of... they operate within their own orbit, but they acknowledge each other. Yeah. Which is nice. That's all I want from the movies. The movies kind of are like, all right, there's this universe out there. We know. We don't want to try to hint at it because we don't want to be like Marvel. But just so you know, like, or or like a Shazam, Superman is out there. You know what I mean? Like he's sitting at lunch with, with, you know, with Billy Batson and everybody. So it's like, I don't know. And, and like when I saw the reaction to Zack Snyder's Justice League, I was happy because it says a lot of, th- it can mean a lot of things, more things for creative freedom on streaming, streaming but it also kind of gave me a headache because I'm like, oh man, like DC and Warner Brothers are going to become even more decisive now. Yeah. Because now that, you know what I mean? Like, now we're not even going to know what the, okay, so, like, they really like this. It, it reminds me of The Simpsons where, like, Itchy and Scratchy are going, are tanking, and they bring in the kids' focus group 
So they're like, you want a show that is like, that has violence in it, but also speaks to, I, I guess like, but is also thoughtful and, and stuff. And the kids raise their hands like, yes, we want all of it. So like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. They're probably like ripping their hair out as we are recording this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want some cohesiveness with DC's movies. And like I said, it does not need to be in the same way that Marvel does it. I think yeah, I agree. DC has a lot of unique characters and they just need to figure out what path they want to take because. I really, really want to love DC movies as much as I have loved things like Guardians of the Galaxy and some of the weirder things that Marvel has done, like Thor Ragnarok, too. But I think the thing that has come closest for me is honestly Birds of Prey. Okay. Because they took that and they made it colorful. They made it big. They made it something that didn't need to rely on the Joker to be in a Harley Quinn story. And I love that because I think DC has this problem where people obviously love the Joker. We saw how well Joaquin Phoenix's movie did. And I just want DC to realize that there's more out there than the Joker. See, but they, even with that, like, um, I remember Todd Phillips kind of like making it and suggesting that they should do like a DC dark brand where they could have like these off one-off movies that are more mature and R-rated, but that never materialized. Like, there's a lot of, like, villains you could do that for. Yeah, that would be great, too, because it would be, like, the equivalent of DC's Black Label for the comics. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. That's why you get a Wonder Woman that is kind of, like, the first movie is, like, a gritty war movie. And then you have Wonder Woman 1984 that is more like a 1980s Richard Donner film. Some like I think we've talked about Birds of Prey, which I also loved. Like I love like that the tone that it does, but there are so many tones in the DCEU yeah. that it's just like, oh, okay, like you have Shazam, which is more of a family movie, but then you have like a suicide squad that tries to be a grittier movie, but it's also an unintentional comedy at some points. And then like Man of Steel, which I mean, is kind of, it's my favorite film of the DCU is a more of a grounded Clark. It's just, yeah, the movies I think are more good, but there are some bad ones. Don't get me wrong, but same with Marvel too. You know, Marvel didn't hit on every single movie, but what they did was they built up enough story that connected all of them together that even though you sat through a few bad ones, the payoff at the end worked. And DC doesn't need to necessarily do something that big. It would just be nice to acknowledge that these all exist within the same world or multiverse even. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But Marjani, do you have any other things you want to mention about Zack Snyder's Justice League? Like I said earlier, I am glad he was able to bring this to life. And even though I thought it was still too long, in my opinion, especially for roughly one sitting, I did take a break here and there to like go to the bathroom and make popcorn and stuff. But <laughs> it's definitely lengthy. And you can tell that Zack Snyder does love these characters and it was setting groundwork for future stuff that DC could do, which unfortunately we may or may not see. It just depends. But anything else on your end? I mean, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, other than, you know, the quibbles that I've like mentioned on the podcast, like I thought that it was really good. I'm really happy for Zack, especially with the tragedy with his adopted daughter. Yeah. And him having to leave the project and him having to fight with the studio. This is a, you know, this is a win for him. It's a win for the fans that really wanted to see it, even though I think that some of the fandom was, has been really harsh and kind of vitriolic to the, and, and that's not indicating that, you know, as a whole, like the fandom is bad. Like there's always, a small, loud bunch that ruins it for the whole. And you've seen this with Star Wars, yep. right? Like that happens the same way too. But I think that it's a big win for creativity and the 
self-proclaimed uh, director studio that Warner Brothers have, maybe it gives them a little bit of a lesson to kind of let directors do their do their thing and not really meddle because every time they've meddled in the DCU, uh, the results have not been good. <laughs> That's how you get a, a Suicide Squad and a 2017 Just, Justice League movie. Yeah, and I gave this a three out of five, which is not bad. You know, it it's a fine, serviceable movie. I had some problems with it. You mentioned you had some problems with it, but it sounds like you're roughly in the same kind of range, three, three and a half, right? I, I would give it a B plus. Okay. I would give it a B plus. Like, I, yeah, I think that like it's really, really good. And, you know, like I said, other with other some problems with standing and kind of like cutting down a little bit of the exposition and uh, some choices here and there. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We didn't need a slow-mo sesame seed. (laughs) I mean, there were some, yeah, some (laughs) cinematography choices that were extremely beautiful here extremely symbolic there were some that were like ah, i don't i don't really know but like overall man like bravo zach snyder like good for you well we watched all four hours we had things we enjoyed things we didn't i would recommend if anybody is going to watch it over the weekend or when you listen to this podcast take a break uh during part four it is it, it is a lengthy four hours uh, you know, take a break, stretch your, stretch your legs, maybe go for a run, eat something, and then like pick it up afterwards. Oh, yes. And speaking of that recommendations, I'd like to do recommendations at the end now. It's a new thing we're trying out. Do you have any comics or other movies you would recommend people check out? Before you watch this movie, kind of watch Man of Steel, uh, watch Batman versus Superman, the extended cut. Also, you know, if you need to take breaks to do with that and um, look up more about Darkseid, definitely look up more about the Injustice storyline, because that's kind of what's hinted at going forward. Yeah, and that kind of, yeah, that pretty much does it for me. I'm going to say that if you want a little more of The Flash, I would highly recommend checking out the comic book series that was done by Francis Manipal. It's from... I'm not 100% sure which era, if it was New 52 or something else, but I'll have a link to that in the show notes because the art is fantastic. I really like that version of The Flash and his story. It's so good. If you haven't read those Flash comics, highly, highly recommend. Awesome. Well, that's all we have for you. Again, MJ, thank you so much. Take care, everybody.